talking about the darkness, talking about the dangers in the darkness, talking about the danger. The Bible talks in Ephesians 5. Most of my points will come from Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. But he mentioned the darkness. For ye were sometimes in darkness. Well, what is the darkness? God defines it. It's wrong, evil. The darkness is not good. That's what he said. God saved us from the darkness. You were sometimes in, but now you are not. God pulled us out of that. The Bible is very clear that the darkness is unacceptable to God. So everything that he defines as darkness, don't say, well, it's okay. God says it's not okay with me. God is the author of right and wrong. He makes it to call on that. The darkness is to be rejected. So when God defines something as darkness and pull out of it, we're not to sit there and say, oh, it's no big deal. That's when the Christian says, I abstain from that. I stay out of it. The, the Satan rules the darkness. The Bible talks about that we rule or we fight against rulers of the darkness. And Ephesians emphasizes that darkness, darkness, darkness over and over again through there. So we talked about these dangers of the darkness and it says to turn on the light. Well, the Bible is very practical. He comes here and he says, let me explain what I'm talking about. What are the dangers in the darkness that he's saying? So turning on the light. We looked at the, the light unveils veils the darkness. You t- walk into a room, you flip on the light, you can see what was, you were tripping over, what was hurting you. He got into this. <clears throat> he said, but fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not be named once among you. Not once named among the saints as become a saints. And he, saw, he talked about fornication, the, 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 to act and indulge in unlawful lusts, to practice idolatry. We broke it down, the uh, sexual acts outside of marriage, what God draws that line in sexual sins. We talked about exposing the enemy, the, what he comes to do. If God pulls us out of something, it's not like God says, I know that's fun and I know you enjoy it, but I don't want you doing it. God, God's not just trying to pull good out of our lives. See, Satan uses sexual sins to capture us. We talked about this, about how he's changed the label. You say, man, how did we have so much sin just creep into the lives of people? We changed the label. It's no longer, you know, rated triple X and that and all this other stuff. Now he said, oh, it's just rated for mature. And then all of a sudden you've got the same stuff in there that he throws in the content of our TV shows that we watch. Change their perspective. Now it's a matter of, it's no big deal. Who's it hurting? Really, honestly, in this day and age, and I've seen that before, changed our standard. It used to be, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. And now it's just a matter of, well, I can tolerate a little bit. He changed our actions. He said, when lust hath conceived, brings forth sin. It changes you. God knows that. We're getting into some things. I, I, I hope you're coming next week because we're going to really get into some stuff that a lot of you are going to say, I didn't think that was wrong. I didn't think that's in the Bible. What does the Bible say? Well, let's see what the Bible actually says about these things. But there are things that are affecting families, affecting lives today that the Bible says and warns us against. So Satan uses sexual sins to control us. He said, I will not be brought under the power of any of these. He said, Satan can't take control of me. You're right, but we, we take the reins of our life when we do that. I'll tell you, when we go out and we get drunk and we go out and we get high and we go out and we do these things in our lives, we are literally resigning the control of our life to something else. And you say, how did they do something so stupid? Well, because we gave up control instead of the Spirit of God guiding us, we gave something else to control us. It's the same thing with lust. It controls us. It gets into our life. It consumes us. 
Bible described this in Proverbs 5.19 and it says, Let her be as a pleasant row and let her breast satisfy thee at all time and be thou ravished always with her love. That word ravished means to be intoxicated. Sex, sexuality, all that stuff God created to be a bonding agent. It's, it's not a bad thing. God made it to be an attractiveness. God created this. But all of a sudden when we use it in the wrong way, it hijacks our minds becomes a master, becomes an addiction. It blinds us to the point where we're like, I've got this, I can handle this. That's what South Satan works. Then all of a sudden, we're using sin of pornography as a coping device to get through life, to deal with stress, to deal with loneliness, to deal with rejection or whatever it is. Then those things turn into habits and addictions. And, they, and you sit there and say, well, one day I'll get married and it will all go away. Well, guys, let me tell you something. Pornography doesn't just go away. You think, well, if I, if I have a wife and I have a good relationship, no, it just matters that you have a perverted perspective of a wife in a relationship. Satan works in these ways so much. The Bible said, warning, when sin, when it is finished, bring it forth death. See, Satan uses sexual sins to destroy us, and this is where we left off last week. See, in Corinthians, and let me explain why God's saying, God, God wasn't just pulling things from us. He was explaining. He said that the city of Corinth was ruled and consumed with sex. It was horrible. It was disgusting. It was just all about this. And he said this. Now, I'm going to break these passages down and help you guys with this to have a better understanding. He said, now, concerning the things where we wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, that doesn't mean to go up and shake hands. It doesn't mean that you can't tap somebody on the shoulder. That's not what it's talking about here. So let's get in the biblical sense of what God was warning about. The word touch means to attach oneself it comes from the root word, means to fasten to or set on fire. It means to be kindled, to kindle a flame or to light something on fire. <clears throat> to touch in such a way to turn the other person on. It's talking about arousal, to ignite sexual desire. See, sex and intimacy were created by God for a reason. It's a good thing. And all of a sudden, we sit there and say, today, our young people are playing with fire. That's exactly what the Bible was saying here. See, sex was created by God to bind the hearts and feelings and emotions of people to a level that can't be compared to anything else. God, God created sexuality, sex for that reason. You see, when the Bible says, and they shall become one flesh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and they shall be one flesh, that was marriage. The relationship between a husband and wife is not like any other relationship. And, and it's, it's to be permanent. It's to be long-lasting. It's a covenant made between a, a two people. It's not like even a parent and a child. Because one day, you'll leave your father and mother and cleave to it. So it's, it's not meant to be a permanent connection. It's not the same thing as your BFF or your best friends that you have. It's not the same thing. Because all of a sudden, you have a greater dedication to your spouse, or you should, than your friends. So God created something of intimacy in marriage to, to bring a bond of that. And he talked about it. He said, it's good that a man touches a woman that is his wife to spark, to ignite, to start a flame or a fire. And through that process, the Bible talks about a bond or a connection. It was meant to fulfill. See, in Proverbs 5, 19, and it's, the Bible literally says and talks about this, and it says, let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Sex was not just for procreation. It had a deeper purpose to it. 
But notice verse 2, he said, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, sexual sin, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Do you see the line that we drew before? God says that everything is okay to ignite or connect as long as it is a husband and a wife. Let me tell you guys something. One of the reasons we have so much depression and anxiety and self-worth issues is for, for this very reason right here. You take young people that are emotional, unstable as it is, because they're so gross. That's not a dig on young people whatsoever. You study the brain, the brain is still developing. You're still growing, you're still maturing. And all of a sudden, we, step, we put our young people or we put singles or whatever into an arena that they're not supposed to be. And they emotionally, what did the Bible say? They emotionally connect and bond. It was created to do that. God created sex, sexuality to be that, to bond. Then they break up. And it rips them apart. You see what God was creating through this bond, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. It was a bond. The, the, the whole thing that God uses as an illustration is if, if Adam was created or Eve was created out of Adam, out of that bone, and Eve goes up to Adam and says, give me my bone back. She says, I can't do that. It's part of me. We are emotionally, constantly ripping young people apart. They emotionally attach in a way that was not created for single people. And then they get ripped apart, and all of a sudden people are putting guns to their heads. Because I am not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not liked, I'm rejected. It was never meant to be that way. Sit there and say, that's just old-fashioned. No, let me tell you that it's real today. It's teen suicide and people killing their lives and contemplating suicide. And you say, why is this happening so much? Because we're playing in the darkness. But it doesn't look like the darkness. We're not scared of it. We've no longer become afraid of it. You know why? Because the culture around us says that it is regular, it's normal, it's okay. Let me tell you, we don't go by the culture around us. God is a God of peace and satisfaction. God is a God of fulfillment in our lives. We say, why is it like this? Why do so young girls, and all of a sudden, they're, they're striving even more to throw themselves at some guy and even more to get another boyfriend, and they're 13 and 14 years old. Why? Because they're trying to fill something in their life that has been ripped apart. And then they go into marriage. And in the porn industry of everything, of, you know, well, that doesn't turn me on, and I don't like that, and I turn this, and I like this, and I like this variety, and I like this, and, and it's just filled with all these things. And you know what you do when you're sick of whatever it is? You turn the channel. Turn the page. I want different. I want more whatever. And then you have that one wife. And all of a sudden, it doesn't satisfy like that because we're so used to just turning the page and stirring up emotions, and we're on this high all the time that was never meant to be there. I don't have time to go into the mental part of this. What the Bible is talking about, we've overstimulated. We, we've made our brains in overdrive sexually to where nothing can satisfy. You sit there and say, why do people rape? Or why do people have incest? Or why do people sit there and go out and hire prostitutes? Why all this? Because their brain has been hyper. They, they can't even see straight anymore. And sexual sins are creeping into our culture. And it's creeping into the church. You know why? Because God drew a boundary. And we're jumping over and saying, what's the big deal? It's a big deal because God said it's a big deal. God had a reason. And it brings shame and regret and scars and trust issues and confusion and everything that should not be in the life of a 16-year-old or a 25-year-old or if you're single, an 85-year-old. God doesn't have a limit on morality. 
These things have messed us up. You understand it's like giving a 10-year-old a car to drive and wonder why they have so many wrecks because a 10-year-old wasn't designed to drive a car. And sex is not created for unmarried. God created it for this reason. See, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise the wife unto the husband. You see, the whole thing that he was doing is we sit there and, and I'm just being real. Guys, I could not be real more, any more real and straightforward. I'm not, I'm not being vulgar here, but I am being real. Here's the problem. We have married people acting like single people and single people acting like married people. We would have great success in marriage if our, our married people in churches started acting like the single people and we reversed it. Because what is happening is the Bible says that we should not be kindling that flame. And you sit there and understand what God was saying there. We take it too far. We, 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 we start the, the fire up and sit there and figure out why we, can't we handle this. Let me put it this. When the Bible says it's not good for a man not to touch a woman, he's saying it's good. I'm giving you a warning. Don't stir up the emotions that you can't control. You see, dating couples that act like they are married are setting themselves up for disaster. You will set yourself up to fail. You see, I don't care how spiritual you are. The Bible says your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is what? It's weak. You, 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 you say, we know when to quit. We know how far to take it. We've set boundaries in your life. You, you might have done that mentally, but your body hasn't got the message yet. See, it was, this, this whole thing about sex and being turned on and aroused and everything, when it talks about to, to kindle the flame or to arouse, it was never meant to shut down. It wasn't that passion was created for marriage. So we sit there and start the flame on a, on a date. We start it, we're being at home alone with the opposite sex and sit there and say, we'll shut it down when it gets too far. It wasn't meant to be shut down by God because the Bible says marriage is honorable in all and the bed is undefiled. We've messed it up. We, we, we've sparking passion and we have young people that have dedicated themselves to live pure and righteous and good and we've taken it too far and we're wondering why things don't work. And all those things begin to work on our hearts and minds. You can't control it. So how do, how do we live in a world that is filled with sex and temptation? I, I want to give you the practical application of this thing. See, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, and we're going through these chapters right here. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might, not yours. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, his, his traps, his weapons. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able. Man, that's something on you think. You can be able. You can do this. Stand against the wiles of the devil. Wherefore, take unto you that ye may be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. You know why we're doing this today? I'm giving you truth. The world's full with lies. I'm going to tell you the truth. And you say, I don't like it. It's okay. I, I don't always like eating vegetables, but I do it because it's right. There's certain things that we do just because we should be doing, and it's right. And it's going to go against our flesh. We've got to stop pleasing our flesh. Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Take a stand. Guard ourselves. 
Live with truth. Live with what's right. So we talked about turning on the light, exposing the enemy, now embracing our victory. Say embracing our victory. Yes, we already have the victory. See, ye are children, ye are of God, little Trinity, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Do, do we have that in our mindset to understand that God is greater than anything? He said, I'll make a way of escape. Wherefore, he saith, awake thou sleepest. In our passage that we start with, and we read through this chapter, awake thou that sleepest. Arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you a... Here's the first thing. Wake up. I can't, you know, you know, the whole idea of that is if you fall into a sleep or you fall into a funk and all of a sudden the world's going around you and everything's happening and you're in this slumber, God literally said, wake up. Allow the word of God in a message like this, allow the word of God through a Sunday like this to reach down from heaven and shake you and say, what are you doing? See, the problem is that we become so passive that we become just Ignoring everything and accepting everything around us. And the Bible says it's not good like that. We've made a mess. It's time to be aware of what's going on. Open your eyes. Number two, accept God's standard. How do we embrace it? Accept God's standards. As followers of God, we must trust in what God has said. Do you understand? If God has drawn a line and God says, thou shalt not or you should not do this, in every Christian's life, you must say, if God said it, that settles it. That's it. And live it. I'm not saying this to be mean, but I tell you, it's amazing how we'll sit there and wake up and be so convicted about going to church. But what's the point of going to church if you're not going to do what's right anyways? He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You're not an elevated Christian because you walk through the doors of this building or sing songs. God's called us unto Righteousness. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, be followers, therefore, of Jesus Christ. His whole thing that he was saying in the middle of this is to do this. He realized that God's standard guards what is good. God, and I, and I wish I could paint this picture to every young people that you sit there and say that God tells you to protect your purity and protect your mind and protect your heart. You know why? Because when you cross that line of marriage, God has something good for you. God's trying to protect it, but let me tell you, when we live our lives of constantly messing around sexually of every level of one or another, and we constantly have that, then we cross into marriage and we have all these trust issues. Because you've been messing around for the last six years of your life. Partner to partner and cheating and all this. You say, why do people cheat? Because they're not committed to you. Marriage was meant to be a line of commitment. I give you my life. I give you my body. I expose myself in such a way that I will trust you. But we give ourselves and give ourselves and give ourselves. And then we're, we're, we're lied to and cheated on and turn their back and all that. And we say, why does it work? Because it doesn't work that way. Your body is one of the most precious things that you give to your spouse. It was meant to be good. And all of a sudden, we drag it through the dirt of every sin that we can think of. And then we present it to our spouse on our wedding day. And I'm not saying that God doesn't forgive or clean or anything like that. But I'm saying it wasn't meant to be that way. Nobody will argue the fact that we have so many issues in our culture today. Nobody would sit there and say, well, things are great. No, sexually, things are horrible in our culture. Marriage is horrible in our culture. Things are falling apart. Dating, depression. Can we not get real? And say, well, I don't agree with this. Just stop. Can we not get real and say, this makes sense? This is what God was saying. God intended sex for marriage. And Satan tries to ruin it. And after God did what he did, he said, it is good. And there is no shame. The man was not ashamed. 
But premarital sex and pornographic material, these things hurt what God created. It causes scars and addiction. God is not about scars and addictions like this. Absolutely took what we had of the scars so that we would not have to. He bore our shame and carried our sorrows so we wouldn't have to. See, you've got to trust God when he says no. He's protecting you from what you can't see, but you've got to trust him that he's got something good for you. See, God's standard is also countercultural. He said, let it not be named once again uh, among you in, in Ephesians 5. It doesn't matter if everybody sits there and says, well, everybody else does it. I don't care. If you are children of light, if you are called by God, you are not like everyone else. We sit there and say, I'm a Christian. You know what that means? You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You are different. We think differently because we think according to the word of God, not according to the world. Wake up. Accept God's standard. Next, guard your ears. It says this. This will help us. And I'll tell you, in the culture that we live in, he said in Ephesians 5, 6, let no man deceive you with vain words. That word deceive you. Let no man trick you. Let no man get in your head with empty words. You get into this. You see your friends that you have these ungodly influences where you'll walk out of here and say this and they'll turn around and say, that is so dumb. Man, that's so old-fashioned. They just don't want you to have fun. Man, if you're going to take your relationship to the next level or whatever, they're vain words because they're empty. God's word holds truth and power and change and peace. And those vain words that sit there and you're going to hear from our culture does not. See, let me tell you something. The, the Bible even talks in Ephesians 5, 4 about perverted talking. If you read through that... When you date the wrong person, if you're single today, please listen to this. You date someone with different morals and values, and their conversation starts saying the words, old-fashioned, who cares, who are we hurting, we plan to get married anyways, I love you, you would do this if you loved me, if you cared about me. If they are a godly girlfriend or boyfriend, they will not push you to do wrong. If they are a godly person, they will not push you to do wrong. And by the way, you should be dating someone that pushes you to do right. If they are not, why are you dating them? Say, well, I, I, I love them on this. Let me tell you, you want to know these ladies that will sit there and turn around saying, I married a jerk that is unfaithful, won't have my back, won't respect me, all this. It starts when they're a jerk and they won't respect your body before you're married. Love gives, it doesn't take. You guys get that? Love is self-sacrificing. We did a series on what love is. It gives of itself. And she's the men that sit there and push girls. And I know it goes both ways that the girls pressuring the guys. I know that. If they are not marriage material, they are not dating material. Because every date is a potential mate. You have no idea when you're going to fall in love with that person. You say, I know they have issues, and I know they're unfaithful, and I know their mind's perverted. I know, I know, I know. Then guess what? You're marrying. You don't get a ma magic wand on your wedding date that turns him into a prince that makes him respect you. And I'm not saying that God doesn't change people. God does. But let me tell you, marriage is not an outreach. It's not an outreach. We sit there and say, well, I'm going to date him and I'm going to change him. You weren't called to change him. God will change him. You look for the right person. You be the right person. Then you come together as the right people and it will be good. But we sit there and lower our standard and we sit there and date people that don't care about God, don't care about the Bible, don't care about righteousness, and you wonder why your life is horrible. Because you set yourself up for it to be horrible. 
And if you're married to somebody that's like that, there is always hope through Jesus Christ. God can do what you could never do. I know that is true. But I'm warning the ones that are dating the wrong people right now. If they are not a godly person teaching and leading you to do godly things, they are not the right person. Say, you have no right to judge me of this. Be not unequally yoked together. It's a Bible thing. You say, well, this is not popular in our culture. You're right, it's not. And that's why our culture is falling apart. It's important for us to understand. Ephesians 5, 6, he said, of these things cometh the wrath of God. I'd rather be right with God than have any friend push me to do the wrong thing whatsoever. There's judgment of sin. God, God doesn't allow unrighteousness in our life. Guard your ears, but also guard your heart. Ephesians speaks of the full armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, literally putting up a guard so that the garbage doesn't get into your heart. Above all, take in the shield of faith where you're able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Do you remember what fiery darts are? You know what the Bible is describing fire? It's something that hits you and spreads. Remember when he was talking about the lust and lust that, that, that consumes and it spreads and it's fire that you can't control it? That the Bible talked about touch and kindling flame? Saint constantly in our culture is doing this to us all the time. Lustful thought, Victoria's Secret fashion show, swimsuit edition, pop up on that, friend request that you didn't know you were getting, all of a sudden you're going, whoa, he knows what he's doing. He's not an idiot. He knows how to get your attention. He said, you better guard your heart for out of it is the issues of life. We live in a sex-saturated world. Proverbs chapter 7, you, you know, let, let me take you back in history and show you something that God brought us through, a warning of the horse woman in the Old Testament. And you say, man, this is so outdated. It is so relevant. It's not funny. He said in Proverbs 6, 7, or 7, 6, for the window of my house, he's this poetically saying, I look through the casement and behold among the simple ones. I discern among the youth, a young man void of understanding. Man, just out there, I've got this, I'm cool, I know what I'm doing, I've got my cell phone, you know, I'll look at what I look at, it's not a big deal, I'm not hurting anyone. Passing through the streets near her corner, and he went through the way of her house in the twilight and the evening in the black of the dark night. Bible describing the darkness. Behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot, subtle of heart. Now let me notice, show you this, he was not looking for her, but she went looking for him. It's temptation. Realized that she was in the street, not in a bar or a strip joint or something like that. Uh, 7 verse 12, it says, Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth wait on every corner. You talk about a description of our culture today. Guys, let me tell you, and I know the pornography stuff is, is, is relevant to every person in this. Men, women, young, old, I know it isn't. But the Bible in this situation, because men are more attracted to women visually, then it usually goes the opposite way. And I understand that. But he was saying lies on every corner. Guys, we cannot even get in line at a grocery store just to pick up bagels without looking over and seeing the, the, the words on there, the vain words about how to have the best sex of your life and what are you missing out on and all, all this other stuff. And of course, they have a girl that's half-dressed on the front of it. You go outside and it's on billboards and you drive down the street and they're going to have an advertisement on the side of a truck. It's all around us. It's saturated. The Bible's talking about how Satan is a wrong lion seeking whom he may devour. It's one of his greatest tools. You don't have to look hard for it whatsoever. It's not the day and age in which you had to go buy a porno, a triple X magazine behind the counter. No, you just have to Google something for three seconds. 
It says in verse 26, Proverbs 6, 26, and the adulteress will hunt for precious life, looking, seeking. So she caught him and kissed him and with an impudent face set on him. It's talking about capturing the heart. You won't see it coming. Satan knows how to grab you, get your attention, and take your focus off. And I'll tell you guys, that's what lust does. Grabs a hold of you and the idea, and she's looking at you, that impudent face that it's talking about, the attire of a harlot dressed to seduce. That, that's the, the magazine covers and everything that they do. They know what they're doing. That, that face that it's talking about, the visual that it's giving us, that's subtle at heart, it's so simple. Nobody's going to come and say, hey, you want to throw away your marriage? Hey, you want to ruin your reputation? It's subtle, simple. You don't see it coming. And it captivates. Sexual sin captivates. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart. See, see, that's why I keep saying it's not necessarily just a sexual act of, oh, I'm not doing this and I'm not cheating on my spouse and I'm not having an affair. It talked about your heart. That's what God's after is our hearts, not just our actions. So she caught him and kissed him with that impudent face. That impudent face literally means to be strong, confident. I want you. That, that idea that I, I'm aggressive, I'm after you. Let me tell you, she doesn't want you. She's paid to look like she wants you. That girl hasn't eaten in three weeks. She wants a cheeseburger, dude. She doesn't want you. <laughs> I have peace offerings with me. This day I have paid my vows. Therefore I came forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face. For now I have found thee. But I was talking about this the, the motive, it diligently sought you. I'm after you. I'm going to be on every corner. I'm looking for you. For the lips of a strange woman are as a drop of honey, honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Honeycomb literally means they're sweet to, a, to appetize, to, to intrigue you. It's, it's tempting. Lust not after her beauty. Internal is what I'm talking. It says in verse 26, By the means of a horsewoman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. Literally meaning stripping everything from you to the point that you're begging for a piece of bread is the description of the Proverbs of the Old Testament. Say, what is, what is the big deal about this? It robs you. Proverbs 5, 4, it says, But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death and her steps take hold on death. The outcome is never satisfaction. It's bitter, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And it never satisfied because it was never meant to satisfy. It's a trap. It's meant to capture your mind and pull you from God. So you say, Pastor Tony, how do, how do I fight this? Let me give you guys some instructions here. You don't fight, you flee. Did you hear me? You don't fight this. Said, so I've always heard my entire Christian life that you are to fight the good fight of faith. You are when it comes to faith. When we're talking about fornication, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee fornication. It will always be a struggle, and I know this, whether it's premarital sex or pornography, you don't fight it, you run from it. <coughs> Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? When you're talking about the horsewoman in Proverbs. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon the hot coals and his feet not be burned? He said it's like a fire. If you pick it up, you will get burned. If you mess around with your girlfriend in the backseat of your car or in your house when mom and dad's not there or in your apartment when you have by yourself, I promise you, you play with fire, you will get burned. You can't handle it. 
You were never meant to handle it. And that's a biblical description. Can you go upon the coals? Can you walk and not be burned? When it talks about this, no, you cannot. You cannot click on it and not control you. You cannot watch it and say that I'll just turn my head. It's not the way that it was meant to be. It's like fires. Joseph in the Bible, when he was caught by Potiphar's wife, he ran out of the house. You don't struggle with it. You flee fornication. The Bible says in Peter, abstain from fleshly lust with war against your soul. You know what? It didn't wrestle. You abstain. You run. You stay away from it. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. You don't wrestle with it. You don't touch it. Don't set yourself up. Your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. You've got to guard your heart, set up boundaries. Let me give you some practical information here, too, as we're going through this. And you guys will get this after the service as well. Sit there and say, I had no idea that movie. Come on, guys, we have got to get past the idea of just pretending like we're dumb. Rated R for sexuality, nudity, sex, violence scenes. and like, I didn't know. Oh, come on. Seriously, in the day, day and age in which we live, when it comes and it says at the very beginning, R, rated for, and we sit there. I, had, I went there, and Pastor Tony, I had no idea there was that sex scene in it. It's like, really, are you blind? You weren't blind when she came up naked. And all of a sudden, you were blind when it came with the warning of what's there. There's so many things that the Bible has given us to warn us, and there's so many practical things in our life to help us. If you've ever gone to Plugged In Movie Review, there's Focus on the Family puts this thing up there. And all you have to do is go through every single movie. You click on it. When you scroll down through there on the movie review, we'll come to sexuality and we'll tell you exactly, this is not good for you to watch because it has this. You know what you do? Christians draw a line. I will not set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I'm not supposed to look at a woman naked. That's not my wife. I draw the line. It has nudity in it. Guess what that line means? I'm not watching it get burned you're not burned it's as simple as that we have so much in the lobby at the information desk there's this talking about protecting yourself on the internet protecting yourself watching movies how to get movies that cut all the stuff out of it how to get movies uh reviews that tell you what's in it and pastor dave put this together uh, of all this information because we're past the day and age of saying well i didn't know we say that. You go home and tell your wife, was there anything else? Well, there was this one scene, but I didn't know. We set ourselves up to walk into it. Let me close from, with this. Remember who you are. I started with this. Ephesians, for you were sometimes in darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You don't belong to you. So you're to live as a child of God. You're to live in truth. You're to live what's right. Remember, you are a child of God. He says, walk not as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened. You sit there and say, I didn't know this was it. Young people, that line that God has drawn, you're sitting over there, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to have sex with others. I didn't know I was supposed to do sexual acts with other opposite sex. I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't. No, listen, you're in Bible church listening and growing you are accountable to God. And I, I, I'm telling you this because I love you. For so many people to sit there and say, well, I don't know what's wrong and right. Yes, you do. Every time we hear the truth, it comes into our mind. And let me just lay this out there. For he that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. If you were a believer in here today, you were a Christian. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. 
If you hear this and you say, I know right from wrong, and you step over that boundary, and you're watching the things, and you're doing the things, and you say, I don't care, you are accountable. Let me lay this out with everything else. If you know to be in church, and you stay out of church to him that knows to do good, to him, and you don't do it to him, it is sin. If you know to get things right with somebody else that you've had conflict, and you don't do it, to you it is sin. I'm not speaking on a corner at Easton. I'm talking to believers right now that have a Bible in their lap. Wake up to do what's right. We have so many people that say, I got out of church because I'll tell you, that pastor offended me or that church or that person or whatever. If you're not in church and you know what to do, if you know what to do right and you're not doing it, to you it is sin. I say, man, that's harsh. No, it's truth. And let me tell you this. In the last point, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free from bondage, from, from the, 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 the fornication, from the addiction, from all these other things. The Bible even says that whom the Son sets free, you are free indeed. You are a child of God. You have the power of God standing behind you. You are called to be set free through the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be in bondage. You say, Pastor Tony, don't say it anymore. I hate this. It's bothering me. I know I'm so consumed and I have all these things in my life. Let me tell you, the blood of Jesus Christ covers every single sin. It doesn't matter where you're at, what you've done, who you're sleeping with, or how many partners you have. Jesus forgives sin. You repent. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to turn my mind. I'm going to turn my heart. I'm going to change my actions. I'm going to do what's right. I want what's right. And the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to clean, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can have freedom today. You can be forgiven today. You can have a fresh start today. And some of you need to just step back and just say, you know what? I need to change some habits. I need to go home to my Netflix queue and my Hulu queue and I need to clean up my satellite TV and I need to block some things and I need, because my mind matters. Your mind belongs to your spouse. You sit there and say, young people sit there and say, well, I'm not married. One day, if God leads you to be, your mind belongs to your spouse. Let's get our marriages back. Let's get revival back in the church. Let's stir the fire that should be in marriage and keep it out where it shouldn't be. Let's just do right.